Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 127. Does that make you guys feel old when you hear that number like that? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) You millennials. Yeah, so, uh, kind of a light week on news, you think? Yeah, I've just been been playing paperclips all week, so. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could make real money that way. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of my, the business I'm in. Uh, It's like a little business simulator for a web browser, and it's kind of like buying ads to get more users, and then selling users, or ads for those users, and all that stuff, it's. But this is just building paper clips, but it gets complicated. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a fun little game. Uh, but yeah, I guess Apple has started cracking down on template apps recently, which is affecting people all over the place, it seems like. Uh, so there's a article from like a week ago um, about the event industry. So event apps are kind of a one of the first ones that I remember, like template apps, commercial template apps. Um, and basically back in June, Apple added a, a requirement. They already had a rule about template apps not being allowed, but they said commercial template apps weren't, weren't cool. Um, and so like event apps have been one that Apple has basically said, no, you can't, you know, ask for like a logo and a list of, sessions or something like that and then get an event app and ship it in the app store especially the companies that were putting them all on their own app store account um but anyone who has like a similar apps or like some type of template to create apps maybe even white label apps it seems like a lot of people have been running into this um my apps are pretty similar too so so far i haven't been affected because i mean my apps aren't created by uh you know like a commercial template but I feel like they originally created this for either, I don't know, maybe people like sell these game templates and you swap out some images and they'll have like a hundred different games that they upload to the app store. Um, or oh, yeah, there, there were like these, those uh, restaurant apps where you would serve up all kinds of different things and customers would show up and you would just like restaurant business type apps and just yeah, games, the only thing- just games that were churned out yeah i wonder if they if they did this because when they were looking at all the 32-bit only apps they've found you know these template apps often just get left they put out one version and never get updated and become stale over time don't support all the new features so i wonder if that's kind of the reason they're cracking down on these template apps although i'm not entirely sure there i'm sure there's other like quality of apps and app store motivations too but yeah it kind of sucks if you have a business that's like we make white label apps or we are an app generator for events it's like sorry (laughs) yeah yeah it makes you wonder what those kinds of people are supposed to do it's not like they're they're scumbags just trying to churn out apps and get a bunch of money for nothing providing a real service (laughs) yeah some of them are yeah. It feels like maybe in this case, like a couple of bad apples spoiled the whole bunch. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's a, as somebody who's made an event app before, I can understand why it would be very lucrative to to actually go and templatize that kind of thing. Well, and it doesn't make sense for an event normally. They talked about this a little bit on release notes this week too, but I mean, most events don't have, you know, tens or twenty forty thousand dollars to you know pay someone to create an event app for them if you're doing oh, yeah. it in your, your spare time then that's a whole different story but yeah it's like the only way that this business model works is is template app type things so it'll be interesting to see what happens maybe things change in a couple months i don't know we'll see <laughs> maybe apple doesn't want those kinds of apps out there anymore which that's what it kinda, seems like for sure kind of I mean, sad yeah, and I've seen the like the the multi conference apps, and those are pretty horrible. Where you go in and you type in a conference code or something, and it unlocks that. Well, yeah, if you're if you're running an event, I mean, that's a company that makes these apps. Is that the only choice you really have? Is you create like the Joe Schmo's event app company app, and then you have to do something with like location or enter a code or something like that to get the event app. It seems like that's a worse experience. And normally Apple is looking out for the, for the customer. So I'm not sure if their motivations are all a hundred percent right on this one or not. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. So who's on Xcode nine right now? I'm still going back and forth. Well, yeah, I'm going back and forth as well for various things, but I've been working on that iPhone 10 uh, stuff on our apps that are landscape. So there's lots of stuff that needs to happen. <laughs> I guess I need to do that at some point, but how my app that I just I'm about to release on this Wednesday it uses MapKit, which is OpenGL, and in the simulator it is a horrible experience. So that apparently there's some kind of bug right now with the simulator and OpenGL that it resets everything to using uh, software shaders. And so basically you can kind of count the frames per second that you're going to get out of your simulator screens. So no fun. Yeah, it's up... been it's been rough on my apps too. I mean, they're all OpenGL based right. games and it's basically like a three or four frames per second slideshow a lot of the times when I'm doing things so i mean we we go in and make the changes that we need to for iphone 10 and test them as much as we can in that simulator but then we yeah if we're doing other stuff we kind of go back to xcode 8 uh for now if we need to test in the simulator although devices are fine so at least they haven't screwed up devices but yeah it's really painful and i from what i've heard i don't think the xcode 91 or sorry, Xcode. Is it nine one? It would be nine one, yeah. Yeah, the Xcode nine one uh, slash iOS eleven point one betas have fixed that issue at all. Have you tried that out, Sam, to see if that helps? Or no, um, and I've kept my phone off of the beta this time around because I wanted to actually be able to deploy to a live device. And I guess I can switch back between the Xcode beta and regular Xcode if I'm going to be working on new functionality. Yeah, so uh, we release on Thursday, and you said 
that your app was going to be released on Wednesday. So why don't you tell us about your your <laughs> sweet app that you wouldn't tell us about last week? <laughs> so I I was a little bit late. I did submit it on Saturday. Uh, oddly enough, Sunday morning when I woke up, I got a message saying that my app has entered in review. And about four hours later, it was accepted. So actually, it's maybe a little more than four hours. It seems kind of long. Uh, I thought, well, maybe they're just letting it sit and bake a little bit to see if it's going to do something different or whatever. But um, yeah, a while, a long while later, it, it got accepted. And I was kind of surprised. I was really expecting them to come back and say, oh, you need to do this or yeah. It, it didn't work for us in this case or something because some of the apps that I've worked on for clients, it's been a lot of back and forth. Uh, Don't worry, the users will tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I've done all right with uh, beta users. Not a huge number, but I've got them. And so people have actually tested this in the wild. Uh, Although so, you, you, you said it was a community app, so don't you need lots of users to to really go to town on it uh try it out yeah. well uh ideally i would have had a lot more users testing this but i wanted to keep it small at least somewhat small um more than i i wanted to keep it bigger than i got but uh a good set of nut users so what do the users do <laughs> <laughs> so drum roll please uh this app so you guys know i, I play pokemon go still i guess I'm not one of the only people I know that play it because there's quite a few people that still do play it on, but I mostly know them online. It's kind of strange. Um, but now with the recent Pokemon changes, I've actually seen them in person. So it's, it's different. Uh, but this app, it allows people to kind of, uh, coordinate to do these, uh, raid events in Pokemon go. Uh, so the way it works is a while back, uh, Pokemon Go, they, Niantic is the creator of Pokemon Go. They reworked their uh, part of their game system, and now they put out these overpowered Pokemon that you're supposed to go team up with other people and, and beat them. And then after you beat the guy, you get some rewards and you get a chance to uh, catch him. Well, you catch a, a much weaker version of him, though. But there's certain... Uh, levels of these bosses that are easily done by higher level players. And then there's other ones where there's just no way that you can do it. And you need to team up with people and you need to be able to know where these things are happening because they happen all around your city in your neighborhoods. So my idea was that people would act as spotters and they could report them. And then other people using the app could see these things appear on kind of, they will appear on their screen in real time and then they can go in and select a time slot to go meet up and then everything is in real time because it's using firebase for this and so i can go and pick like the second of four time slots and then i can see that other people have picked that time slot and then or maybe i can see that a whole bunch of other people are picking this later time slot, then I can change my RSVP to that time as well. And so then the idea is kind of this 
swarm theory where everybody's going to end up converging at a certain time to actually go meet up to beat this guy. So that's the that's the app in a nutshell. So do you have any viral sharing features in there to to help get all these users in your app to to do this? Why, yes, I do. <laughs> so um, one of the things, Firebase is not just a, a uh, single database. It's actually this whole umbrella suite of tools that uh, Google has created. And one of those is deep linking. So I created a, uh, I, anytime you share out a raid to somebody else, whether it be Facebook or you put it on uh, a chat thing like Slack or Discord, it generates a uh, deep link to the app. And so then people can click on that and they can get, if they don't have the app installed, it'll take them to an install page and then they can install it. And then theoretically, I haven't actually tried this, but Firebase is supposed to allow you to actually pick up where you left off the person where the person left off and open that deep link straight into uh, this raid detail. So I haven't tested that part. It's kind of complicated, but in, in theory, somebody could not have the app installed, click on the deep link in say a Facebook or a iMessage or something, take, go to the app store, install it, open the app, and then it would go straight into that raid. That should be pretty useful. That's cool. It would be. I I <laughs> I don't know if it works. If I, I was <laughs> if I played Pokemon Go, it seems like something I would totally use. But I'm out in the burbs, hmm. so it's it's harder to play Pokemon Go than if you're closer to uh with walking distance to stuff. I think like you are. Yeah, I'm walking distance, but honestly, I tend not to walk very far. Uh, I don't. The closest thing to me is probably a five minute walk but usually I, I just go out because it's i'm gonna go somewhere else after afterward if i'm going to that place so i i do exercise though i i ride my bike around this uh the local bike trail and play a little bit at that at the same time cool so uh last week when you were kind of telling us about the app that you were working on um you were describing some of the troubles you went through kind of getting that community uh, shared data out there, but still having uh, kind of like personal data too that people owned. Um, so I'm not sure if this is helpful all to that, but I saw that this week uh, Google announced a new Firebase uh, offering called Cloud Firestore, which sounds really cool. Is it as useful as it named as cool? So I think it really would be a lot more useful to me. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. But it's in beta right now. And I know everything in Google is pretty much in beta. Or at least that's the old the old joke. But um, this probably would have been useful to me because one in Firebase, you can only query on uh, the index like the key of a field or you can query on one other field. So for me, in my case, I've got latitude, longitude points and you can't do ranged queries either. So this is another kind of strange thing. But if 
if I want to say, give me everybody or give me everything that's within a certain latitude longitude, it just doesn't work because I can't say, give me everything greater than say 30 and less than 31 and greater than or equal to 84 or something like that. It just doesn't work. So there's, there's hacks around that. And in my case, I'm using something called a geo hash, which takes the latitude longitude and creates kind of a small hash value from it. Hmm. Yeah. And in that case, you can do a little bit of a range query on a string on the one field. So it, I could say something like, give me everything that's like this value. And then it gives me everything that's close to that point. It, gotcha. It's kinda, yeah. Hmm. It's a, it's a fun little, a fun little property of geo hashes. Yeah, it's it's a bummer that parse isn't still around. I think because I felt like they had a first class like location query um, and location data type that they could store. But it sounds like you've got stuff working uh, with Firebase, anyways. So yeah, that's, Firebase that's cool. is a it's a pretty it's pretty useful uh, because as far as the real the real time queries go, and marrying that with geospatial data works really well. Cool. So, so what is the the name of your app, Sam? Uh, it is PGO Rate Alert. Um, the PGO is just something I kind of came up with. It's like a little acronym for some of the the apps or tools that I had been playing around with related to Pokemon Go. So, is this a future suite of Pokemon Go um, apps, or is that just how you're going to brand this one? <laughs> It, it it could be a suite, but I doubt it. It's actually the second app that I was doing that was related to Pokemon. Uh, originally last year when I was first playing the game, when it wasn't out for very long, I started on a little app to help people figure out how to uh, defeat the, the uh, gym, the people that were occupying a gym. And it would try to take your your uh, characters that you had your pokemon and and then figure out the optimal lineup for how to beat these certain guys and it it was okay it just kind of got complicated and wouldn't you have to use like a private api for that too no well the way i had it working out was you would have to enter you could just it. enter it all gotcha yeah. it seems like for a raid it's a lot easier to to enter what's going on it's not like you have to spend an hour doing data entry, but it seems like that would take longer. What you were describing for the <laughs> the, the last app, it would, yeah. And there actually are websites that do this kind of stuff now too. So hmm. They're out there. My particular one, it was just trying to, it was trying to prove out a few concepts and just work with some new APIs. In this case, it was going to be a Swift three app. Uh, because that was new at the time. So it was as much of a learning experience as it was a fun thing. Well, that's cool. So you'll have to follow up next week and, and let us know how the app's doing. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can share it with all your Pokemon Go playing friends. <laughs> yeah. So the one of the fun parts about it, though, is that it is the only one that... I've seen other chat or raid apps like this one, but this one is the only one that is actually on both Android and iOS. So I'm hoping I have a little bit of uh, an advantage over my competition in this case. That's pretty cool. 
it's it's i'll tell you though it's been it's been quite an experience uh just doing all this all this work and for a while i was working full-time working a full-time job and working on this app and um relearning android programming has been quite a challenge it's it's quite the fire hose of information to go through but i feel pretty good about it nowadays i will say even for one for one brief moment i did consider looking at a pixel phone just just to see like has it gotten better are the phones that much better can they compete with an iphone and i still am going to be pre-ordering my iphone 10 though so gotcha you're talking about the pixel 2 phones that just came out yeah the pixel 2 i was kind of hoping that it would be a much stronger phone than it is like it's definitely a good phone but yeah but it doesn't have a headphone jack so i don't know who would want that yeah usb-c audio what the heck the other thing you know Google for their Pixel phones, they they do want iPhone like prices, and I still don't think they're quite at iPhone level. iPhone ten prices, or they're just they're just doing the low end iPhone prices at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, well, their their Pixel to the smaller one, I think, starts about the same price as an iPhone, uh, the regular iPhone eight does. They might be a little cheaper, but not by not by enough. I don't think they're they're definitely going for that premium brand. Gotcha. Hmm. Well, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it does. It seems like Google always tries to do the flagship phone, and they, from what I can tell, make pretty good phones. But for whatever reason, they don't have the marketing down, or they they just haven't been able to sell them in volume to compete with your Samsungs and your Apples and your Xiaomi's and stuff. So. I kind of doubt anything will come of it, but I'm sure all of our Android developer friends are probably who are due for new phones will be getting them because it seemed like if you're getting an Android phone, it's probably the best phone to get or one of the better ones. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Although this Pixel 2, it doesn't it doesn't look outstanding. It's it's not remarkable in in the way it looks. It's kind of one of the models is kind of a gunship metal gray. It's just not appealing. It's kind of this hunk of plastic with a screen attached. That's probably because it's called, isn't it called like kind of gray? And they have sort of blue (laughs) and just white, I think it was. Is that what it is? I think it's actually just black. Just black. There we go. And (laughs) sounds like they're taking a little bit of a jab at Apple there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. uh, That was a motivation there. It's probably deserved too, because Apple every year has a color that's called space gray. But I, I'm pretty sure uh, they have they sell multiple different shades of black slash gray that they call space gray at a given time, whether it's across the phone or the laptops or whatever. Especially over years across the phones, they don't really know what space gray is. So okay, so it's just black, clearly white, kind of blue, and black and white. Okay, kind of blue. And I think this was a response last year to the black or jet black and I guess it was just black from Apple. 
I happen to have a 5C in front of me, or not 5C, a 5S in front of me that's space gray. And I'm holding it up to my space gray MacBook Pro. And they're, they're actually very similar. You're yeah. not supposed to point out that I'm wrong, Sam. <laughs> Come on here. A, What's going a on? slight shade different. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the some of the biggest stuff they announced at their event yesterday, or it wasn't yesterday, it was... The I forget how long ago it was, but... It was more kind of their ecosystem. Every time they have an event, I see you can talk to your Google Home and stuff will show up on the TV from the camera on your front door and all this kind of stuff. So I really I really wish Apple had that type of integration, especially with Apple TV, but they, they just aren't there right now, which bums me out every time. I'm like, all right, I'm going to switch all, all the Google stuff, but then I come to my senses normally. <laughs> I have a Google Home in my bedroom, and then I have the Amazon speakers in a couple other places in the house, and it it really throws off. It throws me off a little bit, but it throws off my wife a lot too, because she's so used to just saying that that a word a name in order to activate the speaker, and she, she asked me like, "Can we just change this thing to the?" Alexa name and said, sorry honey it doesn't work that way which one does she want to change her phone no the the Google home you know, no, I was gonna say the lady in the can as we call her at my house I know you can change it to a couple different names but there's they're like three canned choices it's not I think it's like Amazon Alexa and computer, so you can pull do a little Star Trek. Oh, can you do? You can do that yeah. one now. I, the last I time I so. looked, it was only the, it was only those two. That would be a fun one. Yeah. Just need to get them to overlap in their name choices. So. What else is new this week, uh, Alex? Are you? How many paper clips do you have? You've been awful quiet. <laughs> I'm almost up to ten million. Oh, that's it? <laughs> yeah, I've got a ways to go. I've got 171 million right now. Um, in terms of new things, we did get beta 2 of 11.1 this week, uh, which re-enabled the force touch to get to the task manager from the bezel. I missed that. I, re I remember commenting that in the show earlier in the summer about how that was gone. So I'm... I'm probably the only one, well, you guys didn't even know about it when I brought it up, so I'm probably the only yeah. one that's actually going to actually be happy about this. I remember the shortcut. I just didn't notice that they had taken it out because it was not one that I ever used. It was one that I used just because I felt like I didn't want to wear out my my actual mechanical home button. Makes sense. Well, now you won't have that issue anyway, so <laughs> assuming you can actually get an iPhone 10, you'll be golden. Yeah. That's going to be the challenge, right? Seems like it will not be easy for sure to get a iPhone 10. We're only a couple weeks away now from pre-ordering them. We need to start some kind of rumor that there's going to be tons of them. You can sleep in. No problem. Don't worry. Oh, I've but... been telling people that the best way to order is you just call Apple directly at 3 a.m. <laughs> 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 That's my plan. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
<laughs> the next best choice is you use the website, and only only after about 15 minutes, you, you may want to try the app, but... <laughs> and make sure you don't, you don't want to favorite it beforehand. That's not something that you'd want to do. That'd be bad. I'm still hesitant to assume a lot of people are going to drop that kind of money on a phone. You know, starting at nine ninety nine and up, up from there in the U.S. and you know could be even more. And that doesn't in other include countries. tax. It doesn't include yeah. Apple Care, which may be a requirement for this particular model yeah. since it's a lot of glass. Well, if you're if you're a part of the Plus Club, just think how much a Plus phone already costs you. It can already yeah. cost like nine hundred and fifty bucks. So. Oh yeah, I'll take all. another fifty bucks to get a be- like almost bezelless screen minus the the notch. Sure, and I'm sh- I'm sure other people are in that boat. And it's like, you know, the one big iPhone redesign in like four years. So I, I bet there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of people, and b I really don't think they they're going to be able to make enough of these at least at first. You really think that there's a, a actual supply issue on this phone? Yeah. Other that's than, what that's what the rumors say. I mean, you yeah. I, you never know, but it's all the rumors, right? They always say that every year. Yeah, at first I was thinking, okay, yeah, this is probably true because they're going to be having this touch ID that's underneath the screen, and that's really complicated to work out. No, all the sensors in that notch are pretty complicated too. Yeah, but assuming that their yields are are pretty good on those things. And that they test out okay. The biggest thing, would, I guess, would be the OLED screen and its irregular shape. I'm sure they just get sheets of those and cut out their their rounded shape. I'm sure they just have a little... Clearly, we're all manufacturing experts on this <laughs> podcast. So yes. this all is very legit uh, speculation here. Uh, yeah, I would not make any investing <laughs> decisions based on our commentary, but... <laughs> I got the impression that you can't really do a odd shaped screen like that if it's LCD and it has to do with the way that the individual pixels light up for an OLED versus how the LCD itself is all backlit so maybe I'm not showing my or maybe I'm still a bad manufacturer, <laughs> but that was the impression I got. I mean, I maybe. think that could be true. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that could be true. Yeah. But yeah, yeah well, I don't know. Do we want to make a bet on like, what's the latest someone will get an iPhone on if they stay up at 3 a.m. on October 27th? What's the latest? I mean, like, like what's, what's the latest that if you order it, on that night, you'll be getting your your iPhone 10 on the shipping date rather than back ordered. Well, no, I, I mean like you get up at 3 a.m. Um, and you you keep refreshing, doing everything you can to order your phone. Like, how long is the person who had the least luck going to have to wait to get their phone? So mm-hmm. they start delivering like November 3rd. I'm guessing it'll be in January before. <laughs> those people will have their phones potentially well usually the really fast really quickly the ship dates slip from 
you know, the, the whole November 3rd to say one to two weeks, which I guess one week is the November 3rd date, but it goes, you know, one to two, two to three, and then a month. And Yeah. So I'm saying like two quickly. months. I You're think saying... it'll, I think it'll be end up on at least two months by the end of the pre-order hmm. night event. What do you, what, what's your thought? What if they end up doing a iPhone developer special just to get it into developers' hands like they did the original Apple Watch? That would be cool, but that doesn't answer the question on what, <laughs> what the last person who tries to pre-order that night will be. I would say within a few hours, it's going to sh- slip to a, a month t- shipping time. Okay, so that's already December, yeah. and this is Christmas time, so we're not that far off. I think we're in agreement that there'll be short supply it sounds like but yeah i'll file let's everyone file a radar asking for early developer access to these uh these phones yes we need we need access to our animojis (laughs) by christmas it's a whole new gold mine right (laughs) something like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna make a a bet in paper clips for you but uh, it sounds like we're 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 about the same. Do yeah. you have any thoughts, Alex? I I think probably by morning it'll slip into December, and I'm sure there's lots of people who will not get their phone until January. But it it does definitely depend on how real these rumors of supply chain issues and manufacturing issues are. Well, there we have it. Uh, we'll have to see. When we can all get our phones. Uh, but on that note, why don't you guys tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Sam Corder. You can find me at Alex Argo and follow the podcast at Shared Inst. Uh, if you want to hang out with us in our Slack, go to chat.sharedinstance.com uh, and we can talk about how many paperclips everyone has. We'll <laughs> talk to you guys next week. All right.